sometimes at three in the morning when I'm thinking about basketball instead of sleeping because I'm a sociopath. I mean, I heard there's like a parade department in the police department. Because there's addition by subtraction and then there's subtraction by addition and subtraction. <laughs> Enjoy someone else's demise and your own success. Yeah. Because I should just record everything I say. Welcome to, I've heard it both ways. It's a meditation ain't working. So I'm about to lose it. I'm caught up in my cranium. It's got me feeling quite clueless. Welcome in. Got a big week, one of the biggest sports weeks of the year. Huge event. You know what I'm talking about. We're going to go in-depth on it today. It's the Pro Bowl. Hallelujah. Been waiting all year for this. The greatest game that nobody actually watches or cares about. I saw some uh, some highlights on my Twitter timeline. There was like a play where the, I think it was the NFC got an interception, and then he started laddering the ball around. And the AFC players, like, were not even trying to tackle him. And then I think, like, a guy kind of got wrapped up, and he went to pitch it, and then the ref just blew the play dead. It was like, <laughs> yep, that's the Pro Bowl in a, in a nutshell. <laughs> I have to say I was very impressed with Zeke's um, O-line fundamentals. I thought he played, didn't he play defensive end for a little while, too? Yeah, he. I mean, he can do it all. What? <laughs> he, he can do it all in a game that no one cares about. I, I will give you that one. Mike, my boy Mike Evans got a pick. And then Jalen Ramsey, I think, caught a touchdown at the end. Alvin Kamara had a nice uh, nice little edge rush going. Who won the Pro Bowl, though? I don't even know. I think the AFC did. I think it was like 26-7 oh. to 7 or something like that. Oh, wow. So, yeah, clearly the better conference because everyone was going, <laughs> going their hardest and just wanted that. I think there's a trophy One. so bad. Well, yeah, Jason Witten oh, yeah, broke Jake the trophy. Yeah. Yep. Rough. I mean, that really encapsulate his rookie year as a color commentator doesn't it it's just the pro bowl i remember like i remember people used to care about the pro bowl you know when it was because really? it used to be well let me, let me rephrase that <laughs> <laughs> you they wanted to go to the pro bowl well it was it, it had more prestige than it did now like when it was in hawaii and it was after the super bowl because after the super bowl it was like oh we still get like this is our last grasp of fo- our last gasp of football before the long off season so it kind of meant something but now having it before the super bowl having it in orlando you know it's just like why like what are we doing here yeah, all-star games in general. It's just cratered. Like last year, actually last year's NBA all-star game was okay. You know, it got kind of spicy in the end. The, the pregame introductions were one of the worst things I've ever seen. Like they made me embarrassed to be a basketball fan, which is not something that I ever thought could happen. MLB all-star game is, I mean, it's okay. It's not nearly as good as it used to be, I don't think. Yeah, I, I mean, I get the logic behind it and not having it determine home field, but it means so much more and... I was a fan of it, to well, be honest. I, I, I was a fan of that as well, but the thing is, apparently, like, TV, um, the TV numbers for the MLB All-Star game just kept going down even after they changed that, so they're like, well, you know, that's not working, we'll, we'll just bag it or whatever. Okay. Yep. Like, I'm not sure why people, like, when, I think people used to care about it because, you know, it was the only time you got to see all these guys play together, especially because, like, there was no interleague play in baseball. I don't know why we're talking so much about the baseball All-Star game, but we are. <laughs> And then, so it was the only time you got to see AL and NL guys playing ex- before the World Series. But now, like, with interleague, it's just, like, no one cares. In the, All- the All-Star game in the NBA just turned into, like, a no-defense race to 200. <laughs> and then in the NFL, it's like, why bother, you know, risking an injury for something that, again, couldn't, doesn't matter at all. No, but in all seriousness, um, Super Bowl 53 this week, we have Sean McVay against another football team. It doesn't matter. All that really matters for this game is Sean McVay. He's the youngest coach to ever win a football game. 
He's the youngest coach to ever be a head coach. He's the youngest man to ever need a sideline assistant. Just we can't talk enough about how Sean McVay is just the youngest ever. Yeah, I I had no idea how old he was until like this week. I, I it's, it's crazy. Like it's amazing that someone who's in their thirties has accomplished something because that never happens. I guess. <laughs> just really tired of the mcveigh narrative like he seems like an okay guy like in his interviews he comes off as likable i guess but yeah it's kind of like trey young syndrome where last year trey young just got so much media hype it wasn't necessarily his fault because he's just doing his thing but it's like okay i'm just so tired of this guy but for mcveigh i feel like it's honestly been ever since last season because you know the rams went like what 11 and 5 last season yeah. made the playoffs and then this year with the rams being in the number two seed we just every week we we're hearing about mcveigh and i just got so tired of it yeah, it's kind of how I used to like Zion Williamson, and now it's just blown out of proportion. Uh, you, you, you hate anything that has to do with Duke, though. That's a fair point, but there is some um, him, R.J. Barrett. Well, now I'm going to just name the whole Duke roster. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you're just, the Duke pro- media frenzy. You just is- proved my point, but carry on. <laughs> you're eyeing my watch. It's a Casio. You just proved my point, slick fingers. So... I feel kind of weird saying this, but I, I honestly believe it. I think at this point, the media narratives, study, let's say this, studying the media narratives around the game is almost more interesting than the game itself. Like, I won't feel that way once the game kicks off. But at this point, like, I'm not so interested in, like, oh, how are the Patriots going to handle the Rams' play-action game or how are the Patriots going to handle the Rams' pass rush or whatever. I'm more interested in, like, whoa, there's this, like, Tom Brady trying to make himself cool and likable, which normally he doesn't do. Or like we said, the whole McVay angle or just all this other stuff like Wade Phillips, Wade Phillips with the, the jumpsuit and the cowboy hat. I, th- I think I, I think I mentioned this earlier. I'm a huge Wade Phillips fan just because like Wade Phillips is a perfect name for a defensive coordinator. Like if Wade Phillips was an offensive coordinator, he would have failed miserably. But as a defensive as a head coordinator, coach, failed miserably. Exactly. But as a D coordinator, perfect. He's right in his element. Yep. But that, that Tom Brady thing is interesting to me because they posted the video um, walking out of Arrowhead Stadium like with him and Gronk, the whole still here, de- still here deal. And then the Patriots are trying to push the, the no one believes in us narrative. How do you feel about that? Oh, no, it's a tricky situation because I've grown up against the dynasty of the New England Patriots. But I just loathe what's going on in L.A. right now that I'm like behind the Patriots. So I'm like rooting for him to just crush the Rams this week. Same. 100% same. I I played the Patriots. I only played the Patriots and the Cowboys in Madden against those teams, I mean. And 90% of the time, it was actually the Patriots even because I couldn't stand them that much. Now I'm like, do I need to buy a Patriots shirt before the Super Bowl? <laughs> I'm not going to, but it, it, the thought crossed my mind. That's how close I came. Or well, let me, that's how far I've come. Um and I, I actually kind of sided with the Patriots in this whole, you know, no one believes in this thing because I just remember all last year and this year, we kept hearing, oh, Tom Brady's too old, doesn't have it anymore. This is the end of the Patriots dynasty. They don't look the same. And now the media is like backpedaling like, oh, no, like they were still favored in a lot of these games. Like, well, that's just because Vegas is trying to get, you know, odds that will interest people. So that doesn't mean anything. And you, the media, have been saying, because we're not part of the media, we're men of the people, have been the people, media has been saying, the Patriots are going off a cliff. The Patriots are done. They don't have a defense. Like, yeah, nobody who has a platform believes in you. Let's put it that way. And because we all listen to people with a platform, that's how it feels. The Patriots kind of remind me of the Spurs dynasty that we were just totally get out of against. my get like, out of my brain. 
That's where I was going next. They're supposed to be done eight years ago, and yet they continued to win championships. And then Kawhi became came into a star, and even now they were looking really low a few months ago, and they've really put it together to, since this middle of December. Yeah, I remember because it was the narrative was, oh, Tim Duncan's too old. You know, Ginobili can't stay healthy. Parker's not that good anymore. And it all seemed reasonable. And then there they were every single year deep into the playoffs and winning championships. So kind of the same narrative. Yeah. The same same deal. Another side note is you saw the Jazz bat. Um, wait, oh, I can't remember why it was during the game, but there was a bat in the Jazz arena. Did you see that at all? I did, yeah. And it just really made me miss Milo Ginobili and the legend that he is. See, I felt bad for the bat because he was just, I don't know, he probably just got stuck in there was trying to get out and then he just got whacked by Ginobili. So it didn't make me dislike Ginobili. I just, I felt for the bat. It looked, pain- I mean, it looked painful. Oh, I, I almost always sided with animals over people in general. And I did feel bad for the bat, but I'm sure he was. But we still he, missed. I'm sure he bounced back. We, we missed the. He's doing well as a family. We missed the, the, the amount of charm is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> It's because I can't think of another NBA player that would do that at this stage. And Honestly, they would just be like trying to get out of the way and, you know, get ready for the next contract or whatever. <laughs> and like that's that's something that drives me crazy with NBA players today is just like, this doesn't really have any, a lot to do with the bat thing, but it's been on my mind because Kevin Durant had a terrible example of this. The whole, oh, I'm not going to shoot this half-court shot because I don't want to hurt my field goal percentage. Because the other night, I think it was Celtics Warriors, and Kevin Durant had that half-court shot that he deliberately, like, sometimes they try to make it so they heave it just after the buzzer. But this time, he literally just waited for the buzzer to go off and then <laughs> shot it, and then he made it. Like, half-court shots are so much fun. Like, when you're at an arena and someone makes a half-court shot, just it, home or away, it doesn't matter. There's, like, a buzz. And, like, we don't get that anymore because guys are like, oh, can't take this shot. So either one of two things needs to happen. NBA players either need to grow a pair and just shoot it, or we need to, like separate those shots statistically. So if it's a shot from the wrong side of half court with under three seconds left, it doesn't count if you miss it or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't count statistically because we needed to get that back. Yeah. I can't even remember what year it was, but I think it was when the Bulls were the one seed and the Pacers were the eighth seed. And TJ Ford just hucked one up from like three quarters court and drilled it. And that play is still like... Burned into my bre- into my memory. There's there's a play from like the late 2000s where Wade Dwayne Wade blocks Amari Stoudemire, and then gets it and just heaves it right as soon as he picks it up and nails it. And it's such a sick play that would not exist in today's NBA. Yeah, it's so cool. And those are the plays you remember ten years down the line. So you need to find a way to create those moments. Because I mean, there there are some guys that will still just heave them up, but they're just becoming rarer and rarer as the NBA gets more you know analytically based. Which is a bummer. Just further proof that nerds ruin everything. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, with numbers and nerds and everything, I saw this picture the other day. Um, it was of the all the Super Bowl logos. And the Super Bowl logos used to be really cool. Like, they'd often have something to do with the actual city that the game was played in, or they'd be, you know, something creative. And now it's literally just, like, the silver, the trophy, the Lombardi trophy, and then silver Roman numerals for whichever Super Bowl it is. And that brings up two questions for me. First of all, like, why did we stop making fun logos? And also, and more importantly, like, why the freak are we still using Roman numerals? That is a great question. I think that's the only way Roman numerals can exist at this stage. But we just need to get rid of them. They need to go extinct is what I'm trying to say. Because when I see Super Bowl 
XXXVIIIIXX whatever. I have to sit down and be like, okay, X is 10, 3X is 30, 5 is V, 3I's. Okay, Super Bowl 38. Like it takes me 10 seconds to sit down and figure it out. Whereas if it's just the regular numbers, like you don't have to think about it. Like whenever I see them in print, I'm like, if you know, if I see Super Bowl LII, I'm like, I don't know what that is. And if you say Super Bowl 52, I'm like, oh, that's when the Eagles beat the Patriots. That's all you need. How about that plug? I think if they're going to continue with these blase Super Bowl numbers There's or our logos. Word. There's our word of the day. Nice. <laughs> the only way Roman numerals work is when they have those way cool logos. Like, so if they go back to the 90s logos instead of what we've been doing, what we have now, it, what we have now would work with regular numbers. But if they bring back the cool logos, then I say stick with Roman numerals. Yeah, because it kind of it, they're both kind of out there, so they work together. But if you have... Simple, boring logos with complicated Roman numerals. That's a problem. You nailed Glad that. Glad we solved that. You, you nailed that. Very nice work. So usually the Super Bowl kind of dominates this week in coverage. As of Monday morning, probably the biggest woge bomb was that Anthony Davis requested a trade from the Pelicans. And that's kind of dominated the media the last... Couple days, honestly. Yeah, and probably for the next... Seven. How many more days till the trade deadline? Uh, it's February seventh, so it's like two weeks. No, nope, it's a week and a half is all. Like nine days. Ooh, sounds like an NBA trade deadline special next week. I'll be there. <laughs> um, what What would you? What What's your leaning if you're the Pelicans? If you're the Pelicans, you can't just let him go. You have to get something for him at this stage. Mm-hmm. And the Lakers want him really bad. And they have enough young assets that you can make something happen with them. That's definitely true. Although, honestly, like this season, the Lakers' young guys haven't been particularly impressive. Like Kuzma was really good last year. He's kind of struggled a bit this year. Lonzo, like we don't even know what we have in Lonzo at this point, I don't think. I've never been a fan of Ingram. Like Ingram's solid, but I don't know. I mean, like you said, they got to get something out of it. And the Lakers are probably their best partner. But if I'm the Pelicans, I'm trading Anthony Davis to freaking Siberia. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Screw you. Get lost, which is a stupid move, but I'm just going to be petty about it. But I was thinking about it. <clears throat> Hot take incoming. Brace yourselves. Is Anthony Davis really that good? Because if you think about it, like guys who have single-handedly carried their teams, like Westbrook in 2017, you know, they led them to 47 wins. They lost in the first round of playoffs, but they still made the playoffs. Harden that same year was the only, you know, all-star on his team. They won like 50-something games and made it to the second round of the playoffs. What has Anthony Davis done to make us think, like, to have us hold him in such high regard? Like, am I crazy for thinking that? Or? No, I think that's a really good point. He's still so young. I mean, I still feel like he's on the upswing of his career. Okay. Heading and towards he the climax. He is only, what, 25? Yeah, 25 years old. And you would be pairing him with, like, LeBron, let's say. Obviously, that's probably going to work out pretty well for you. I think what you have to take in is how impressive LeBron James is because he was able to carry a team with... He had a very similar roster to the Cavs with LeBron being the center pace versus Anthony Davis, and LeBron was able to carry that team to a finals. Although Drew Holiday was better than anything LeBron ever had. And, like, Drew Holiday and, like, Miritich, like, that's that's a solid foundation. And they did dominate the Trailblazers last year. That's true. And if and if Anthony Davis, and, like if the if the Pelicans were in the East, I bet they would have been the, in the playoffs yeah. like five times in the last eight years or whatever. Yeah, so. I'm mean, gonna contradict myself because LeBron didn't have to run into a Rockets or Golden State team in the semifinals. It's true. 
So I think just athletically, he's a defensive nightmare. Anywhere on the floor, he's a mismatch. And then... Although he doesn't seem to want to play center, which doesn't really make sense to me because when you're seven feet tall with that kind of length, if you play center and you're the only big on the floor, that opens up all kinds of, you know, roster alignments and options. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go on the anti-AD train. He's selfish. He's overrated. <laughs> and I wish him the worst. Just kidding. Well, I, mean, I actually, I actually like him, but actually, I'm just being a hater. <laughs> When you read the Pelicans' like official statement, like we're saddened by this, but we want the NBA to look into the tampering rules. <laughs> it's like they're gonna do anything they possibly can not to trade him to LA. I really feel like that, which I respect. Like we need to keep the Lakers down. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a fan of that move. And honestly, I feel bad for the Pelicans because they're like not even the ugly stepsister of New Orleans sports. They're like, I don't know if they're even on like most fans' radar. Like, do you think New Orleans sports fans realize that Anthony Davis is on the Pelicans? <laughs> Because they love the Saints, obviously, and the Saints are not in the playoffs anymore, so Saints fans can suck it. Um, boy, that was mean. <laughs> That's what happens when you beat my team. Um, but yeah, like the Pelicans just kind of forgotten. Saint or Pelicans fans, the few of them that do exist, they're always like saying, "Hey, we want our Jazz name back." Like, well, guess what? You should have attended games in the '70s. Then you'd still have a team, or you'd still have your yeah. original, you'd still have your original team. I've never been to New Orleans, but I've always wanted to go to New Orleans. I've only, honestly, I've only heard good things about it. Like, yeah. good food, nice people, cool vibe or whatever. I mean, I heard there's like a parade department in the police department where you can schedule <laughs> your own parade. And I, I might have the to, parade route. I might have to redact my, my New Orleans hatred then because that sounds amazing. So maybe that's why the Pelicans aren't that good. There's just too many things, good things going on in New Orleans. It, well, that's true. But at the same time, if you think about it, there's only two teams. There's the Saints and the Pelicans. So like... You would expect that to be slightly more balanced, I guess. I don't know. Maybe in that... When, I mean, when have they been good? That's true. I remember when they had Baron Davis and they were the Hornets. Ugh. I remember thinking they were cool. I have a Baron Davis Hornets figurine. That's that's amazing. First figurine I ever had. And it's going to be worth <laughs> something someday. Well, it already is. I, it's already worth a fortune, but <laughs> at least in sentimental value. Anyways, bringing this back into the, the sphere of reason... Um, we were talking about how if AD was in the East, you know, maybe he could have taken that team farther, but I'm looking at like a Victor Oladipo got traded into the Eastern conference and immediately turned the Pacers into, I mean, not a contender, obviously, but definitely like a solid team. You know, they won 40 something games, took the Cavs to seven games. So I don't know. I'm just not, I'm not feeling, I'm not, I feel, I, I hope the Pelicans trade Anthony Davis to some terrible team where he just has to, you know, suck for the rest of the year. And then he can go sign with the Lakers when the year's over. All right. You got that out of your system there? I mean, not really, but we do need to move on. <laughs> in another life, I guess. I am an NBA GM for every team. And I was, I'm going to run a few trades past you. If I, if you were the New Orleans management and I offered you this trade, would you take it? Okay. okay. Sounds good. We'll start with the obvious one. Um, AD going to the Lakers. So you get a third team involved. So the Lakers will get AD. And then in return, you get Kuzma, Mo Wagner, Josh Hart, and Mike Conley. Yes. And then the done, Grizz- done already. And then the Grizzlies would get Lonzo, Julius Randle, and Caldwell Pope. I like that. I feel like it's a win for all three teams there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Grizzlies don't have to, or excuse me, the Pelicans don't have to go into a hard tank because they still have Drew Holiday locked up. Um, the Lakers get what they wanted with AD, and then with the uh, the Grizzlies, you get. I mean, it sucks anytime you have to say goodbye to to the most underappreciated player of all time, Mike Conley. 
but you do get something back for him. So. Yeah, you get Lonzo and I still Julius honestly, Randall. I still think Lonzo contract. can. I still think Lonzo can be a major contributor on a good team. I still honestly still believe that. Him and Jaron Jackson, I think that'd be fun to that watch. That'd be very fun. Big potential there. Okay, another recent report is the Bucks have made everyone except Giannis available. So the Bucks would get Anthony Davis. Then we uh, they give away Thon Maker, Dante DiVincenzo, Pat Connaughton, Malcolm Brogdon, and Chris Middleton. Ooh, <laughs> I was about to shut you down. And then you, you did throw in Middleton. Um, I mean, I feel like that. It's honestly a little. That's like kind of detrimental to the Bucks, just because you lose a lot of depth there. You do. I, I mean, you had a superstar, which is you know you often you always want to come out with the best player in a trade in most circumstances, but. I would honestly have to say no for the Bucks, just because they kind of got a good system going with with you know Giannis and then just running everything around him. I don't know if I want to upset that ecosystem and throw away like all the depth that I've built up. That's a good point. That's a good point. Okay, now long shot the Knicks are preparing a deal to send to New Orleans. <clears throat> they would also need a third team involved. Okay, and so the Knicks would get Anthony Davis. And Miritic, okay? Miritic. Miritic. Miritic, whatever. Miritic. Then... Did you know he's a naturalized citizen of Spain? He's from... Naturalized? Meaning, like, naturalized means you weren't born there, but you basically become a citizen there, and you say say you're from there. He's from somewhere in Europe, or Eastern Europe, obviously. Like Steve Nash is Canadian. Even though he's born in South Africa. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Okay. Anyways. So... Like, Miritic plays for Spain in the Olympics. Fun fact. But... Interesting. All right, so the Pelicans would get in return Tim Hardaway, um, Junior. Tim Hardaway, Junior. (laughs) No one wants Tim Hardaway in a trade anymore, as much as I love (laughs) Tim Hardaway. Sorry. Noah Vonley, um, then Frank... Natilakina, I think is how it's said. Okay, I'm glad that's why you're here. Um, And then the Wizards would be the third team involved, so you get... Ian Mahini. Jan Mahinmi. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and John Wall. But they're going from the Wizards to To the New Orleans. To New Orleans. Okay. Absolutely not. I want nothing to do. <laughs> I want nothing to do with John Wall's contract. Um, the Pelicans would be a huge loser in that situation because you give away a franchise player and you get back John Wall. <laughs> not what you want to do. <laughs> it works out great for the the Wizards and the Knicks, obviously, but not for not for the Pelicans, and the Pelicans are the ones that have to sign off. So, all right. So I'm gonna take. You're not gonna be a fan of this next one then either. <laughs> and it's kind of a curveball that no one would see coming. Oh, wait, this is a slider. <laughs> There's another slider. It would reference. be the Pelicans, Hornets, and Wizards involved in a trade. Okay. So the Pelicans would get Nicholas Batum, John Wall, and. Hernan Gomez. Well, I can't remember his first name. There's two. There's Juancho and Willy. I mean, Willy. <laughs> <laughs> it's Willy, I'm okay. pretty sure. The, whoever plays the one that's not on Denver. Yeah. <laughs> then Charlotte would get Otto Porter Jr. and Anthony Davis. And then the Wizards would get Cody Zeller, Etwan Moore, Julius Randle, Jeremy Lamb, Malik Monk, and Frank Kaminsky. Yowza. Um, where did John Wall end up again? In New Orleans? The Pelicans. Okay. Um, same deal. It's a great, it's great for the other two teams. Wizards, <laughs> Wizards, you get rid of, um, 
You get rid of both Wall and Porter. Yeah. And keep Bradley Bill. Well, I mean, getting rid of Porter is not necessarily a good or bad thing. Um, great for the Hornets. I would love to watch that Hornets team. <laughs> Anthony that, Davis, Kemba, and Otto Porter. That Hornets team instantly jumps in, I think, to that, you know, at least to contend for one of those top few seeds in the East. It just, again, <laughs> John Wall's contract is <laughs> untradeable. I, I can't see any team wanting to take that. It is tough getting rid of John Wall, but I feel like the Pelicans would want something like substantial and John Wall is locked down for five years. True, but he's also John Wall. <laughs> he is also John Wall, but it's pretty much could they would they be much worse versus Anthony Davis? John Wall, I mean they're kinda in that I'm and, not saying they're the same player, but like they would be about the same team in a lot of ways just because one superstar and a bunch of decent players around him. I'd feel like they'd be in the same record-wise. Like, they're mm-hmm. near the bottom of the West right now. I feel like they'd be just they'd just go even farther down just because Anthony Davis is a lot better than John Wall. True. Although I do think, I just thinking about it, spitballing, I do think John Wall and uh, Drew, Drew Holiday, Drew with a J, um, I think they could actually coexist because Holiday's pretty low maintenance as a guard. So, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's not the worst idea ever. <laughs> Wall would get to shoot the 30 times a game he wants. Mm, that's true. And he could take defense off because Drew Holiday could pick up the slack. It's true. And if you could get John Wall to play defense, because when he wants to, John Wall's a great defender yeah. when he wants to be. It's just he doesn't always want to. All right, I, would, I, I guess I'll sign off on that one. I feel <laughs> I, I look at, uh, if, I'm, if I'm the management of the Pelicans, I look at the John Wall contract and I kind of, you know, gulp, make a loud gulping sound, and then I just swallow it. I, I have or one four. I wanna I have one I wanna bounce off of you and it's not really that possible, but we're in a po- <laughs> we're in a podcast. Why why not? Um the Clippers. The Clippers need a post player. We discussed that I believe last time. Their post players are just like dead weight at this point. Clippers get Anthony Davis, the Pelicans get Danilo Gallinari and Shea Gilgis Alexander. It's not a terrible trade, I don't think. I don't it won't happen, but it's fun to float it out there. Yeah, I think for the Pelicans, you definitely want both of those guys. The Clippers, I don't know if you're willing to part ways with them just because there's a huge chance that Anthony Davis just goes across, there stays in the same stadium, just changes locker rooms. Yeah, pretty much. And you get rid of two of your best assets at that point. Honestly, the, the toughest thing for me about this trade is I don't feel like anybody knows what these two teams want to do in the future, right? Because the, the Clippers are just kind of treading water in the West. They don't really have a future. I mean, this season doesn't really, like, they're not going anywhere. They might make the playoffs. They might not. But we don't, you know, they don't have a, much of a roadmap. And then with the Pelicans, it makes me wonder, like, well, what are they going to do when Davis is gone? Yeah. So it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to project any trades with these two teams because, honestly, I think if you put Davis on that Clippers team, like, they could, you know, jump up to, like, a four or five seed, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe win a first-round series. But that's kind of where the Jazz are, too, in a lot of ways is if the Jazz want to make a move, and I think I've written an article on a little a, website called... A tremendous article. Called SidelineDynasty.com. Everyone go read it. About how Salt Lake is the perfect landing spot for Anthony Davis, but the Jazz can't really trade for him because they'd have to give up all their assets in order to get Anthony See, Davis. And that, that's the trouble with um, superstar trades like this. I remember, this is a while ago, but I remember Kobe 
the Lakers were sh- kind of shopping Kobe around, and I think it was the they were looking at the, the Bulls. Bulls. Yeah, I and remember I remember that. like they had kind of a trade in place, but the Bulls would have had to trade away so much to the Lakers to make it worth it that it's like, well, you get there and there's nobody there, so you're a lottery team. Mm-hmm. So that's the tough thing with these things, with these kind of trades is if you're going to trade a superstar, you want kind of a a superstar's ransom instead of a king's ransom. So you get there. <laughs> um, and it just that wouldn't really work out for the Jazz. You'd have Gobert. You're talking that about is a, that is a sexy how AD jazz doesn't team. like to play center. Has Gobert there? Then AD can kind of be that four. Because and the Jazz have um, they've been experimenting for a couple of years now. They still honestly I don't know if they figured it out. They you know they play favors and Gobert at the same time a lot. And defensively that's good, but offensively it kind of cramps your spacing. But then if you trade out favors. And you know, Favors has given a lot of good service to the Jazz, but <laughs> if we have to if we have to say goodbye to Favors to add AD, I'm willing to do that. Um, you put those together, and you're not scoring on that team. Oh yeah, that raises Just, that raises the Jazz ceiling a ton. I mean, if you run out of the starting five of Mitchell, Ingles, Gobert, Anthony Davis, and Kyle Korver, Kyle Korver, Jay Crowder, whoever, it doesn't matter. That's a tough matchup for anybody. Yeah. So if Anthony, if you're Wanting to have streets named after you, a statue outside a building. L.A.'s already crowded. There's tough, plenty tough of to make a name for Lake. yourself in L.A., yeah. And everyone knows playing in LeBron's shadow sucks. And bringing a championship to the winningest franchise that doesn't have a championship. You would be, be remembered forever. Yep. That would be your legacy. Think about it. I mean, you could have... I don't know what the arena will be called in 20 years. It'll probably be like Qualtrics, the Qualtrics Center or something like that because... <laughs> tech stuff in Utah, whatever. You'd have John Stockton Drive on one side, Carl Malone Drive on the other, Donovan Mitchell Boulevard, and Anthony Davis Avenue or something <laughs> like that. That would be freaking sick. So Utah needs to put together like a committee like a, a to get AD to come here. So I, I just mentioned this. It occurred to me, um, you know, playing LeBron's shadow is tough, and we saw that kind of with the whole, with the Kyrie's exit from Cleveland. And then just a couple weeks ago, you know, the Celtics had that weird end of game situation where Tatum missed a shot and Kyrie was angry. And then Kyrie just kind of threw his whole team under the bus after, like, we don't know how to win and blah, blah, blah. It's like, bro, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals without you. But that's beside the point. And then it comes out later, Kyrie calls LeBron while LeBron's having dinner with Kevin Love, which I think is a funny subplot, to apologize and be like, oh, I didn't understand how it was to be the leader on a team full of 20-something-year-olds that don't know anything and the, every, the media just ate it up. Like, oh, oh yeah. look at this. This is great. What if we have a LeBron-Kyrie reunion? Like, oh, man. Like, <laughs> off-the-court storylines in the NBA are just getting out of control. I thought it was the dumbest thing ever. Well, with, with Kyrie, watching, like, Kyrie within a basketball court, I love watching Kyrie. Everything he does is amazing. Off-the-court Kyrie is one of my least favorite athletes <laughs> of all time. Like, with the whole, the whole flat-earth thing. And just all the weird things he says all the time. Like, his his off-court interviews are maddeningly stupid. So, if I could just keep... If I can just, you know, focus on on-court Kyrie, we're good to go. But anytime he does anything else, I'm like, man, I hate this dude. Well, he'll be playing in a Knicks uniform next year. Oh, great. As predicted in July. We just need... That's what we need, more Kyrie media exposure. Yep. So, yeah. get used to it. Buckle up. Yikes. Honestly, it's just been a, a weird season for the Celtics because they've had all this Kyrie drama and, you know, like, oh, they're underperforming after they kind of overperformed last year. And it's feeling to me, honestly, like one of those 
Cleveland LeBron seasons where LeBron just starts kind of like subtweeting everyone and just doing all this weird stuff on social media. Like when he tweeted out like the the Arthur Fist meme or whatever, it's kind of devolving into like there's so much going on not related to the team specifically. Well, that's not the right way to put it, but so many distractions where it's like, is that what's keeping Boston from, you know, achieving their potential? Another thing that's kind of holding them back is Gordon Hayward's been kind of bad this year. And I think I'm in the minority. <laughs> I might be the only person actually. Um, but jazz fans who don't hate Gordon Hayward, like I wish I want him to succeed in Boston, but he's been kind of bad too. And so jazz fans are enjoying his, you know, lack of success. Celtic fans have been, have been turning on him left and right. So tough year for the first Hayward and the Celtics. I mean, I don't really have an opinion on Gordon Hayward at this stage just because, I mean, I feel bad for the injury. Hated the way he left Utah, but like... That wasn't great. That wasn't great. The way he did it was the thing that upset me the most, but I have no problem with him going to Boston just because that seemed like the right fit for him. I I was upset too, but like I I got over it, which is rare because I usually don't get over things. (laughs) You don't. You keep it, bury it down (laughs) deep. All right, to wrap up this week... We're going to go to our Marcus Howard correspondent, Kendall Ludwig, on the Marquette University. Or is it University of Marquette? No, it's Marquette University yeah. campus. What's what's our guy Marcus Howard up to these days? Oh, he's just quietly scoring 31 points. I mean, I think he's had 19 in the game on Saturday. 19 in the second half on the game. In the game on Saturday. I messed that up. I just, I don't understand, like, why is this dude not a bigger story? I have no idea. Because he's kind of doing, like, Trey Young-esque things. Oh, and that's the thing. Who they play on Saturday? Xavier. 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 They they tried to take away everything on Marcus Howard. Like, they would put two guys off the pick, and he would make make the right play about 98% of the time. Like, he would make incredible shots in the lane, or he'd kick out to one of the Hauser brothers who would knock down a three. This Marquette team, they need to lose a couple just so they can be that sixth seed. That makes it to the final if four. If they're a five or higher, they're losing in the first or second round. Yeah, if they're if they're in that six, they're doing too well right now. Exactly. If they're if they're and if they're a seven to ten, also they're losing in the first or second round. But if they're a six seed, final four. I'm gonna say six. I'm gonna say a six seven seed is where they're. That's the I, sweet spot. I think for they have to be a six. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I'd actually go a four six or seven. Ooh, interesting. Spicy. Anyways, I mean he's he's shooting forty three point four percent from three. That's insane. He's averaging twenty four point six points a game, uh, four point three assists, which is pretty good in college. Assist numbers usually aren't that high in college. Yeah, I don't know. I just I feel like we people besides us need to be talking about him. Oh, they definitely knew he's incredible and will continue to do, to do incredible things from now until April. I mean Marquette's eighteen and three. What are they ranked? Like twelfth or something. Um, I think they moved up into the top 10 this past week, but they were 12th last week. Good for them. All right. We appreciate everyone tuning in. Even you, Blake. You know who you are. Um, If you've learned nothing this week, it's that Sean McVay is young. Go Patriots. Anthony Davis to Siberia. Marcus Howard. Welcome to I've Heard It Both Ways.